Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wool on us. Painting and taking on all the plate to pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinize and do their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. Uh, as you may have heard, there's been a bit of a fight brewing right now between Apple and the FBI over encryption, uh, though to be clear, this is just the latest battleground over encryption that the FBI and various law enforcement groups have been fighting for a few years under the Going Dark banner. Or, if you'd like to go even further back, this is just a sequel to the infamous crypto wars of the 1990s concerning the legality of strong encryption. Back then, the supporters of strong encryption won the war, which was a really good thing because strong encryption helped pave the way for a much stronger internet and computer security that we all rely on today for all sorts of things. Of course, though many people consider this issue settled and done and that we had won, it flared up a few years ago. Uh, in large part, this is, was as a response to the Ed Snowden revelations concerning the rather widespread nature of NSA mass surveillance, both on Americans and others around the world. Following that, many companies, large and small, ramped up their efforts to use strong encryption to better secure the private information of users, either at rest or in transit. One of the most notable, of course, was Apple, which started making full disk encryption on its iOS devices standard rather than optional. Um, there, it had been optional for a while, and of course there were lots of third-party uh, tools as well. Apple also included a few additional security features to make this encryption even stronger, including, on the most recent iPhones, a separate secure enclave chip um, which contains the only copy of the encryption key and makes it effectively impossible for Apple to break in itself. The FBI, however, has been, well, I would say freaking out about all of this, claiming somewhat misleadingly that this is some sort of affront to the idea that it has the right to see any information it wants once it has obtained a warrant. The FBI rightly notes that uh, this situation is somewhat different than the NSA surveillance, which is done without a warrant for the most part, but conveniently leaves out that there's lots of information that is locked up and cannot be obtained even with a warrant, um, such as, for example, the information in your brain or, say, on a device that's been destroyed or that's written in some sort of code that the FBI cannot figure out. There are lots of things and information that the FBI never gets to know about. Now, while Congress has been debating this, the Justice Department has decided to route around the legislative branch and gone straight to the courts using a somewhat obscure 1789 law called the All Writs Act, which allows courts to order help from third parties on the conditions that they are necessary or appropriate in aid of their respective jurisdictions and agreeable to the usages and principles of law. And... What that means is somewhat open to interpretation, and that is what the courts are debating right now. The DOJ has now used the All Writs Act to ask uh, for Apple's help in nine different uh, cases. Uh, 
dealing with 12 different iPhones with varying reasons behind them all. Two of those cases are getting most of the attention right now. In California, the big one, the Justice Department is asking for very specific help to try to open up the work iPhone of Syed Farouk, who was one of the San Bernardino Bernardino attackers. Um, He destroyed two other iPhones, his personal iPhone and his wife's. So it's unclear why the FBI thinks that this third phone, the work phone that he didn't destroy is so important. However, the Justice Department, rather than just telling Apple to break the encryption, which would be sort of impossible, was actually a bit more ingenious or... uh, I don't know, nefarious, if you want to put it that way, finding uh, finding the, I guess you would call it the loophole in Apple's current encryption scheme. Specifically, the phone is locked, uh, and but that's it's locked probably with a weak passcode that uh, was set by Farouk. In order to guess the passcode, the Justice Department uh, has had the court order Apple to create a new bootable version of its iOS that disables two key security features. First, it would get rid of the security feature that uh, erases the encryption key if there are 10 incorrect passcodes passcodes entered in a row, which effectively deletes all the content on the phone. And another that increasingly slows down the time before you can enter a new passcode if you enter a series of incorrect passcodes, which makes it impossible to brute force uh, even weak passcodes. And finally, they would also like Apple to have this version of iOS allow them to enter passcodes from a computer rather than having to, you know, have an intern type them in on an iPhone with, you know, with one by one. Um, the other case in New York involves a drug trafficking uh, case and also had a, an All Writs Act demand. But here, the magistrate judge, James Ornstein, very clearly and in great detail, um, just recently, angrily rejected the Justice Department's demand, uh, noting a variety of reasons, with the big one being that this interpretation of the All Writs Act is crazy. I don't think he used those words exactly, but that's pretty much implied from the 50-page ruling, uh, in part because it would basically allow the Justice Department to force companies to allow them to hack into just about anything, and also because it appeared to be an attempt to route around Congress, which prescribed fairly limited actions that companies could be compelled to do in wiretapping under the law known as CALEA, the Communications Assistance for Law Enforcement Act. Now, there's a lot more involved in this, and this was a long intro. I tried to hit the high points, even though it gets even even deeper, and it's fascinating. Um, so we wanted to discuss it beyond just me talking about it. Um, so we have a special guest here. It is uh, the lawyer, Marvin Amori, who has been deeply involved in a large number of tech policy issues over the years, including copyright, net neutrality, and cybersecurity. And I should note, um, in the interest of full disclosure, uh, that as he... Since he works with many tech companies, Marvin does some work with Apple, but is not representing them on this issue, and his comments are obviously strictly his own views and not those of Apple or any of his clients here. And uh, also joining us is our usual co-host, Dennis Yang. So, Marvin, welcome. Thank you. I should say I'm I'm doing a little work on this issue, Okay, but I'm definitely not speaking for them. Okay. Tim Cook is speaking for them. Ted Olson is speaking for them. (laughs) This is just my views as like an internet guy. Okay, <laughs> excellent. We are clear on that. So how, how, let's start with the big question. How important a, a legal battle is this? Uh, this is a really important legal battle. I think the FBI 
chose this set of facts. Yeah. The set, you know, the, the yeah. terrorism facts, uh, because they want to set a precedent. They want the precedent to be that they can get <laughs> Apple to create new software to get around security features that Apple built to secure a device. Right. They want to then obviously use that on Android devices. Uh, they would also want, you know, it's not clear how far the precedent goes, right? Apple argues, you know, hey, if we have to build this software that disables these security features, can the FBI ask us to build software that would allow them to monitor a camera mm-hmm. on an iPhone or the microphone on an iPhone? And if you talk to folks um, whose businesses are cloud storage of, of any kind, you know, their, their wonder would be, do I now have to figure out new technologies that allow me to get access to files that I wouldn't otherwise be able to get, right, that are maybe encrypted on a, on a computer? Do I load malware? What do I do? Like, where, where does this line end? So uh, I think this is very strategically chosen by the FBI. And one of the reasons why I think that is early on, the, the feeling that a lot of folks in Silicon Valley had when I spoke to them was, why is Apple, why is Apple choosing this fight? Right. These are bad facts. It's terrorism. <laughs> yeah. Bad facts make bad law. Um, well, Apple didn't choose these facts. The FBI did, because the FBI right. thought these were, and, and the FBI chose it because they knew it could be a precedent in future cases. Right. And uh, I also think... And, know, and it's important to note, right? I mean, Apple was willing to have this case sealed while it was decided, whereas the FBI was the one who actually pushed back and wanted it released publicly. So, you know, the FBI wanted this case out there and yeah. wanted people to see it, right? Because the facts... You know, it's it's a sympathetic case uh, on the FBI side, and and one more thing, and sorry, I, is, is that apparently that be, before they even filed for this order, the Justice Department went to um, the families of many of the victims of the San Bernardino attacks and asked them if they would file a, a supporting brief in this case before they even filed it. So they knew that they were sort of lining up sort of public support that they wanted in this case, which, you know, shows kind of the way the DOG was, DOJ was thinking about it. Yeah. And, and I don't want to be too critical of the FBI and DOJ. I just want to say, you know, they care about this issue. They want what we, you and I call backdoors. Their viewpoint in investigating crimes is, hey, the more data, the better, or the more information, the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just see these things as obstacles from, their, from where they sit. Sure. But I mean, these, right, if you're, if you're law enforcement, you want as much information as you, as you get. I, I don't think anyone denies, yeah. you know, where they're coming yeah. from on this. Yeah, but, but that's not how we make decisions in our society. <laughs> right. There are other branches of government that sit in a different situated place that think about innovation and international diplomacy and international affairs and how China will react and uh, how dissidents abroad will react and how uh, even, you know, internet security, think about it differently. Sure. Like, you know, former NSA yeah. head Michael Hayden is not in favor of breaking encryption. Um, there are lots of folks in the White House whose role it is to think through, you know, technology and innovation. So, and you know, we have a Congress. We, we you know, the way these decisions are made isn't one branch of government. The FBI right. saying this is what we want from where we sit. There's usually uh, a different process. And and also, I mean, it's important to say, like, just going back to, to, you know, sort of first principles, right? We have a constitution that has a Fourth Amendment, and, and part of the point of that is that it's not supposed to be easy for law enforcement to, to make its case. The reason, you know, we have a presumption of innocence is because, you know, 
we, we don't want to make mistakes. Like if you're going to, you know, the type one and type two errors, right? If you're going to make certain kinds of mistakes, you want there to be more letting guilty, guilty people go free than, than locking up innocent people as guilty, right? And so we, we want to make it difficult and we, for, for law enforcement to make their case because that's how we make sure that, uh, you know, innocent people aren't locked up. Yeah, we could convict a lot more people if we got rid of the presumption of innocence. Sure. If we got rid of the Fourth Amendment, if we got rid of the Fifth Amendment against self-incrimination, sure, we could totally solve more terrorism cases. But we, as a society, <laughs> yeah. have right. decided that's not. I mean, the and you could go to the extreme, right? Like you could solve lots of crime if you required a camera to be placed in the corner of every room that recorded everything that ever happened. Yeah, right? there, there but, are trade-offs, and <laughs> yeah. you know, there's a privacy and security trade-off in this Apple case. There's also a security and security trade-off, <laughs> right? Uh, and not everyone agrees with the FBI that this would yeah. make us more secure. But like, I, mean, I think the reason why the FBI chose obviously this case to, to do it is because public opinion, and we as a society, yes, we did decide that the Fourth Amendment was important. But I mean, is society kind of like if you ask kind of everyday men in the street about this issue, they might have heard of it. But I do wonder if public opinion really does understand. You know what those what yeah. those trade ups are, right? and, like, and they, they they don't, and they clearly yeah. don't, and <clears throat> you know, I, I, you know, it, it, but part of it is also just in the way that it's presented, right? And you know, one of the yeah. funny things is that there have been a number of public opinion polls that have been done in the last few weeks on this particular issue, and the questions are always asked differently, and the results are, you know, right. They, I mean, they if, swing if back ask, and forth. If you ask the question in the in the right way, you can you can get whatever you want. But honestly, right. like I think that if you ask most people that aren't intimately familiar with this issue, like. Hey, do you think it'd be okay if government could log, could break into a phone? They'd be like, yeah, yeah, sure, why not? If they if if it's of a criminal, if it's of a terrorist, let's throw that word out there. Right. And there's People, a warrant. And there's a warrant. They're like, yeah, that sounds great. Why not? Because, and I think that's that's kind of the scenario that we have. And I, I definitely thought it was amazing of Tim Cook to to stand up like that and and kind of raise the public's awareness of like, hey, you know, like, do you want your phone encryption to feel like the luggage locks on your on your luggage? You know that. No one trusts those, right? And really, that's to me what it what it feels like if there were there were a backdoor, right? So, and maybe maybe we need to dumb it down for for everyone to understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, when it comes down to it, the facts are good for the FBI until you dig into yeah. facts. Sure. And so, if you're having the debate uh, publicly as the, F, you know, as the FBI uh, is having it, then uh, you know, sort of you get on the surface terrorism. His phone unlock it. Once you dig into the facts a little more, yeah. And yeah. I thought the you know Apple wrote a wrote a brief in, in the in the case that was filed I guess last Friday maybe, and it was it was really good and it sort of set out all the facts in a way that made it clear, you know one. You know Apple doesn't have this technology and would have to create it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what creating that technology is a security risk to, to all iPhones. Right? They could they can't really destroy the code because they'd have to document it in case. You know, in court, you have to document your evidence. Um, and if they do destroy the code, they're going to get hundreds of more requests, uh, as we know, from the FBI and local yeah, and, and, and China to create right. the software over and over and over. Yeah. They're going to have to create a hacking unit um, or they just keep the software as tight as they can. Uh, it's sort of this, this risk of creating the software out there uh, and, and this risk to consumers. Yeah, and, and so and just a couple points on that, which I think are important. You know, you know the FBI... Uh, Director James Comey actually like he did a blog post of all things, um, you know, saying like this is this is not about setting a precedent. This is just about a one-time phone. But at the the very time that he was saying that, you had 
you know, first of all, the fact that there are nine other cases that are similar going on from the Justice Department. Yeah. Um, and you have, and you had local, well, I'm sorry? Just one time. Yeah, just, just one time. Once. And you had yeah. local law enforcement going around talking about the importance of it. You had, you know, Cyrus Vance, uh, the, the Manhattan district attorney, talking about that he had 150 to 175 iPhones sitting there encrypted that he wanted to break into. And, you know, it's they didn't necessarily coordinate their messaging. Yeah, this is the equivalent. This is the legal equivalent of just the tip. Yeah, you, sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, and then, I mean, you know, even going beyond that, you have you have this issue of like, you know, most most people, and even I, you know, even I don't have you know a full deep understanding of how like forensics, you know, computer and device forensics works. But people who do, who've written about this, note that like in order to to create this kind of software. It's a really involved process. It may seem like a simple thing, and in fact, you know, one of the most ridiculous parts of the the Justice Department's um, uh, request in in this case was, you know, this is not unduly burdensome to Apple because it's just writing software, and Apple writes software, therefore, <laughs> there's no burden. It's like, wait a second, really? But like, you know, people who have experience with these things say, you know, it, it's well. So Apple Apple had an affidavit in their in their yeah. brief, uh, and if I if I remember their numbers right. Uh, they estimated it would take a team of six to ten people two to four weeks to do it. And and but it's not even that. It's like then you have to test it. Yeah. Because you know if you if you get that and wrong, secure it. Yeah. yeah and, and secure it. So you have to make sure it's secure, which is not an easy process at all, right? This cannot escape. Um, and then then you have to test it in all different ways under all different conditions because if it messes up, I mean, if you destroy that phone, then what? You know, then uh, how do you yeah. think the Justice Department reacts if this software actually you know just you know, wipes out the the encryption key or something? Um, you know, then they'll go crazy. <laughs> so you have to test it, make sure it works. It doesn't work. It's going to take you another few weeks to to do this. And then you ha- you have to document it all. And you know, one of the points that people you know like some people are like, well, just throw away the key. Like you know, create it for this one phone, then throw it away. But but then that's destroying evidence, you know, as as well because that's important to to have that documented and and kept somewhere safe to make sure that Apple did the right thing and didn't didn't do other stuff. You can't just throw away the key. And also, I mean, this is technology. You don't like code just doesn't disappear like that. Um, you know, that's not that's not how it works. And also, if you know, every law enforcement person in the world is going to come back to Apple, uh, you know, with a hundred different iPhones and say you have to do this again, you know. The, the idea that they would just throw away the key, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I agree with everything, everything you said. <laughs> um, and I mean, the interesting thing about, you know, there's sort of, there's a law here, right? The All yeah. Writs Act from 1789. And part of the test in that, in that law is whether or not it's an undue burden right. on Apple. And you know, during, uh, you know, the general counsel of Apple spoke in front of Congress and he said, you know, the undue burden isn't the, the two to four weeks right. that will be required in creating a hacking unit going forward. The undue burden is the burden on the security and privacy of all of the millions of users of Apple. Right. I mean, they're both an undue burden, but, um, but there's a, the additional one that falls on all of us. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's a big point because, you know, I was actually having this discussion with, with a, um, with a lawyer at a tech company recently who was saying like, you know, it's not, and we shouldn't focus on the amount of time or effort that it takes because theoretically, you know, if, 
if the FBI or the DOJ came back with, well, here's a solution that could be done in a day, that's still burdensome because of the security impact yeah. on, on the public. And that's, that's the big concern. And that's, I think, where there's a lot of misunderstanding. And people who don't live in this world don't understand how encryption and security work. And when you create an opening, you know, that it's, that's not as simple as like opening a door and then being able to shut it again. Yeah. Right, you're you are weakening the security and weakening it in a way that you know potentially lots of bad things can happen, not just from the FBI or the the DOJ. You know, and, and even if so, you know, there's I always mean, the fear of, of of government abusing these powers. But even if we assume that they're always good and they always use them properly, I mean, it's not like the end of Batman Two <laughs> when Batman used his software to spy on the entire city just to catch the Joker <laughs> and uh, and had it destroyed. It's not like that. <laughs> Very few things are like the way yeah. Hollywood portrays them. <laughs> I, I do have a question. I mean, like yeah. I didn't realize that Apple actually said that. Yeah, their estimate was two to four weeks for a team of like six yeah. to eight people. So to me, like I, when I first heard about this, it seemed like it wasn't even possible. Like Apple's like, we don't know if it's possible. We'll, you know, we are going to look into it. And if it's, if they've kind of put an estimate on it, like why isn't the FBI just like, sweet, we're going to, we're going to do it. You're, it's possible. Well, it's, right? it's, well, it's, it's possible. It's only possible for Apple because Apple's the only one who can sign the code, right? Oh, I see. So, so there, there is one piece that Apple needs. Right. So there is, there is a, a. So, so in, in your the in FBI your, can't do it. Right. In your right. in your little one day. Well, well. Thing, so there, there is, there is. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. there, there, exactly. there, there, right. there, there are okay. questions about you know could someone still hack into it and there there are arguments that the NSA does have the power to do this whether or not. Because they because they can break encryption. Be, well, who knows, right? Yeah. It's, it's it's not entirely clear, uh, but there are arguments that yeah. people make that the NSA does have ways around these things. I don't know if that's entirely true, um, and it's, it's there, there have been reports of major breakthroughs in encryption that the NSA has, right? Yes, like, wired so wrote a piece on it. They should talk to the NSA. Well, and and, like, and hey. so there has been an argument that they should. There has been an argument that maybe they have. You know, in in the congressional, so they just not want to let in the, know. Well, <laughs> there the, 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 there are a few different answers to that. One is that the NSA might not want to let it, let it be known right. that they can do that. Right. Um, you know, another is that the NSA and the FBI don't always work together on things. And um, maybe they're acting under different authorities. And there are different authorities, and there are so questions if about... if you're investigating a criminal, you know, terrorism is, is a criminal offense. Yeah. Right. Um, versus some of the national security. Right. There, there's an overlap, but if they're doing it under, you know, I, I don't know the legal authorities, yeah. but there's like Title 10 and Title 50... Different titles so, for so there, intelligence there, and there, military, right. and, and so yeah. there, there are definitely questions there. In the congressional hearing, um, uh, I, I think it was uh, FBI Director Comey. Somebody did ask if he had gone to the NSA, and he, I think it was him. He basically said that the NSA was unable to right. to get in, but but you know, unable. But, there's a lot of you know nuance within. Yeah, <laughs> but on that on that in about, that regard, like you know, couldn't couldn't the next move of the FBI to to not ask for Apple's help. In but creating the, the software, key. but just after that key, and yeah. then basically, and that's right. I mean, you can go back to other cases, right? So there's like the, and, the and that's why the undue burden being on all of us is yeah, the argument so important. Apple has to make, and right? Is, and is the real burden, right? Yeah. Because because think about that, right? I mean, if like Doug, all, we'll, all we'll of the take, security yeah. Yeah. is based on the fact that Apple secures that key. If you give out that key to anyone. There goes all of the security, effectively, yeah. right? I mean, that and then it's out there. It's out in the it's out in the wild, right? And this was, you know, and you know, you know, as a co- comparable case, right, is is the the LavaBit case, 
which was a small email provider that provided mm -hmm. secure encrypted email, which famously Ed Snowden used. And it is believed that in trying to track down Ed Snowden's emails, yeah. the Justice Department went to this company, LavaBit, and demanded their key and got a court order of, um, requiring that they hand over the key, which led to some back and forth and eventually him <laughs> handing over his encryption key in uh, printed out in uh, uh, size four font on like, you know, 20 <laughs> pages of paper and the FBI saying like, no, that is not acceptable. And then he just shut down his entire business rather than actually hand over his encryption key. But it's the same argument, honestly, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, that is an undue burden because that, that wipes out the security of the entire system and, and puts, you know, everyone at serious risk. And, and that's, that's the burden in this case. And the argument that, you know, that it's security versus privacy is, is misleading, right? Because it is. It's security versus security, right? If, if Apple is forced to do this, all sorts of things that are secure now might not be. Can I, can I get legal and just explain why, this yes. is, why we should, why we Please meaning, do. We that's meaning why the public here. and Apple <laughs> should win this case easily. Um, so the way the, this All Writs Act works is it kind of fills gaps for the judges to, to write writs, W-R-I-T-S, to get things. Yeah. Um, but if there's a law that is directly on point, the All Writs Act can't violate that law. It doesn't like, allow the judges to ignore what Congress has done. The judges implement congressional law. Congress passes laws, judges you know, uh, enforce them. And the law that applies here is something called CALEA, right? And it governs um, mainly how telecommunications companies have to permit a backdoor for wiretapping, etc. But it very clearly does not impose those obligations on device makers like Apple, not on electronic communications providers like iCloud, etc. It does not apply here. You, you can't require them to build a backdoor, and it's in the congressional records, it's in the language of the statute. And there has been a debate about do we update this law and require backdoors. The White House was in favor of, up, quote, updating it. Some people in Congress were, we have not. Right. So the FBI is end running around congressional d discussion, around, around existing law, and trying to use the All Writs Act for something it's certainly not able to do. And so as a legal matter, it's an easy case. The law that applies is CALEA. Right. All Writs Act does not trump and, CALEA, and, there's, and, there's and one, we win. There's one other point in CALEA, which yeah. I think is important, which it actually says, though, though telecommunications providers do have to provide ways to wiretap, there is an exception if it is encrypted communications and the provider does not have the key, which is the case with Apple, mm -hmm. they do not have to do that. Yeah, even if, even if yeah. this was AT&T, they right. wouldn't have to do it. And, and Apple's not even And that covered. is clearly stated yeah. in, in yeah. the law. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that... So it's an easy legal question. And then, and then sort of the broader point is, shouldn't Congress decide this? Shouldn't the public decide this? Um, and then the sort of broader point, once you get there, is Congress should decide that, no, Apple shouldn't have to unlock <laughs> right, right. I mean, there, but, there is a concern, but, right? It's like, yes, I agree that, like, this is an issue that, that technically Congress is supposed to decide... That always worries me a little bit because Congress isn't always good at deciding things. Yeah, we live <laughs> in an imperfect world, right? But, but but for the most part, like so far, we've actually seen in hearings that Congress does seem to be mostly, at least it, it appears, on the right track. There are obviously some people in Congress who are on the wrong track on this, but there are a number of people. It's not an issue where it's like 
full across the board support for really bad ideas in Congress, which, we, which we've certainly seen in other areas. Um, so I, w- I want to close out on one other issue, which we, we sort of briefly mentioned, but we didn't dig into, which is the sort of international aspect to all of this. Like everyone has been focusing on the U.S. side of it, but you know there is a real concern where um, other countries, um, for example, China being the one that is frequently talked about, um, may have different views in terms of how much power their law enforcement should have and what they should require of technology companies in order to to operate in those countries. And, you know, those places, everywhere else, basically every other country around the world is watching very carefully about how this case works out in the U.S. And if we're in a position where we're requiring backdoors, it makes it significantly harder to then, you know, go back when when China shows up at, at you know, Apple's offices and says, hey, you know, put this backdoor into into the, every iPhone, and you know, how how do we push back against that? You know, if, if yeah, the I th- US I think it's a, I think it's almost impossible for an American company to tell another country we build these backdoors only for the U.S. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it's the propaganda in other countries is Twitter and and Google and Apple are just agents right. of of the American government. Uh, they need to build up their own industries and they need to. Know, distrust American companies. So I think it's it's very hard to go to another country and say, no, we only do this for, for the American government. Um, I think, uh, you know, Apple, uh, from what I understand, has said, um, at least the headlines characterize them as saying that the U.S. is asking for things even China hasn't asked for. Yeah. You know, building this kind of uh, technology. And, um, and and you know the the former top advisor to Hillary Clinton in the State Department, a guy named Alec Ross, he was her advisor for innovation. Uh, he has you know been on TV. He's written uh, posts about this. He's just said you know if Apple creates this for the FBI within 24 hours, the Chinese will have it. Yeah. You know, the Iranians will have it. You know, or maybe not the Iranians. The Chinese will definitely have it. Yeah. And so I mean, it's it's it's. And a, at the same time, I mean, the U.S. government funds yes encryption. <laughs> Yes. U.S. government, you know, part of the government, this is, this is the interesting thing about government, right? If you, if you sort of, you know, the beauty of, of bureaucracy uh, is to <laughs> some extent, is there are parts of the government that care deeply about encryption. They care about encryption because internationally dissidents need it so they're not being spied on by the Chinese or other authoritarian yeah. regimes. You know, there's the Open Technology Fund, which was mentioned by the general counsel of Apple in his testimony. Uh, they get funding from uh, the U.S. government. They have funded lots of great um, programs that, that make encryption easier for people to use uh, around the world. And, uh, and there are benefits to having secure encrypted communications around the world for yep. our foreign policy. And, and in fact, I mean, you could argue quite reasonably, I think, that this, the U.S. State Department has been one of the, the um, you know, most supportive and most helpful in terms of getting strong encryption out and and around the world, built and and distributed around the world. It has been tremendously helpful. And, you know, you have different parts of the government with different um, motivations and incentives. Yeah, exactly. And and this rough analogy came to me while you were talking, because one of my good friends, my my roommate in law school, is an FBI agent. And I'm sure he's done a lot to actually keep us safe. He and great, great respect for what the FBI does, uh, and uh, and you know some of my good friends are at the State Department working on, on exactly these open internet issues, but you know if if you're if you're playing on a high school football team, it's not the best analogy, but you're the running back, <laughs> you're going to want to run the ball a lot. If you're the quarterback, you're going to want the co- the coach to call a lot of a lot of throws. Yeah, and you know it depends on where you sit, but 
there's a coach who has to make that decision for the good of the team, and here it's the American people acting through elected representatives, and it's not just one branch of the government. Yeah. Well, I, and I'll make one final point, and I know we've got to close this out because we keep talking, and okay. we could keep talking, but and I'll give you the last word, so don't worry. I'll make my one final point, and I'll, I'll throw it back to, to, to you. But, uh, you know, there is the other element to it, which is that, like, you know, uh, there, there are millions of phones that are stolen all the time. And actually, one of the things that has actually reduced phone theft these days is the fact that these phones are encrypted and you can't get in and they're basically, you know, worth a lot less to to thieves. And that's because of encryption. So, you know, there's a strong argument that all of this encryption has really helped law enforcement and in terms of preventing crime. And they seem to ignore that aspect of it, or a lot of them seem to. But, you know, just a few years ago, before they got focused on this going dark, you actually had the FBI on its website recommending that people beef up the encryption on their phones and put in place stronger passcodes. You had the New York Police Department, which is now currently claiming they want backdoors into encryption, actually walking around the streets of New York City, handing out flyers, telling people to upgrade their iPhones to more secure, the, the latest version, which is more secure and has encryption on it. So, you know, they knew this at one point, that, that it actually helps them in preventing crime. Yeah, yeah, th- this is... This gets to the nub of it, which is what law enforcement wants is a back door. Sure. They want these devices to be secure for everyone else, but not for them. And that's just impossible. Right. That's, you can't that's ha- you can't unicorn have, magic fairy yeah, thinking. They want unicorn <laughs> magic fairy thinking. Uh, and so th- that, 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 that explains the paradox that you're mentioning. Okay. Well, on that note, uh, unless you have any, any other final thoughts, <laughs> Uh, none at all. <laughs> uh, I, I, it's a good discussion. It's, this is an issue that's obviously very um, topical and timely, and, and uh, there'll be a lot more happening. So I'm sure we'll, we, we'll, we will have many chances to revisit it. Um, but Marvin, thanks for joining us. And Always a pleasure. Having this discussion. And uh, thanks, Dennis, and to all of our listeners. And we will be back next week. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tap. Duh. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tap. Duh. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tap.